This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. What do you do if you're inside the house when an earthquake happens? You go under the tables. Uh-huh. And what else do you do? Hold on to the table. And and if you hear, and if there's an earthquake and a thunderstorm, you would have to leave the whole country. Ian Weekly starting right now. There's a lot of capability across our officer corps. We have some officers who have a, a lot of science background in the pure sciences, uh, such as chemistry, biology. Most have a minimum of a, a master's degree, and so we do have some doctorate level officers in those hard sciences fields. So when we start talking, you know, like you mentioned, a dirty bomb and getting down to the science, the chemistry, and the biology of it. Folks that can kind of immediately talk that language and understand the effects welcome to em weekly and the last week of march and uh, moving into uh, hopefully everybody's gonna have a great Easter holiday or a Passover, and uh, for those of you that don't celebrate anything, I just hope that you guys have a wonderful spring, and I'm, I'm just really excited for you guys to be here. Today, we're interviewing U.S. Army's Joint Task Force Civil Support Group, and if you don't know what they, exactly they do, some of you guys may have run into the uh, CSTs, the Civil Support Group, uh, Civil Support Team, I guess, and they're out of the National Guard mostly, uh, but they're supported by this uh, Civil Support Group um, out of Virginia, and so it's kind of cool. The Ninth CST, I've worked with them. They're out of Los Alamitos on various different projects over the years, some training, uh, things like that. Um, they're a really great, dedicated group of people. I think that you're going to be, if you haven't worked with them, you should really reach out to them and see what you could do. For those of you that are students that are looking to get into emergency management, uh, this might be an opportunity for you to uh, check out what they do and, and maybe join the, uh, uh, the, the the reserves or the National Guard. Try to do the civil support teams. So hopefully you can uh, take a look at what they're doing. Uh, it's kind of an exciting program. So we're also a week away, or maybe a few days away, from this huge announcement that we're going to do. It's a new uh uh, program that we're putting together here and I'm really excited about it I really I really 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 want to tell you guys what we're doing but we're just not ready for, for the announcement yet uh, I think you guys are gonna be really excited about it it's gonna be another way for emergency managers to really kind of get together and talk about what things are going on answer questions ask questions be involved and really develop that EM community that we're really talking about here at EM Weekly. And uh, I really, I'm again, I'm excited about it. I can't quite announce it yet. I know if I did, I would get in trouble with my buddy, so I don't want to do that. We're also a few weeks away from announcing a new partner, and I think you're going to be excited about this partnership program that we're doing. Look forward to that. Just keep, stay tuned and you'll see what we're talking about. 
Facebook Live. We've been doing Facebook Lives uh, here for the last few weeks. Uh, I go live uh, 12 o'clock p.m. Pacific time or thereabouts uh, noon. Figure hitting some lunchtime. If you guys can't get there on Facebook at lunchtime um, at uh, at 12, of course, we always have it posted. So you guys can always be one of our replay people. And I always say, hey, replay, re- hello to the replay people because uh, I know that you guys are out there. And I do really appreciate it when you guys do uh, listen to uh, us on the Facebook Live. Ask questions there. Make comments on there it's just a more of an open discussion we're looking forward to to having you guys there on facebook live and speaking of social media you know we have uh, facebook obviously just talked about that Facebook group, which is really kind of exciting. LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, we're out there. So please look us up and join and take a look at what we're doing. Spreading a lot of good information out there on Twitter. I know uh, a couple other organizations that are following us and, and retweeting and we're retweeting their stuff. And again, it's all about growing that community of emergency management. We're doing it on the social media aspect of it. One of the things we're going to be talking about here uh, in the near future, we have another of uh, the shows coming up and we're talking really about creating um, a social capital in your neighborhoods and how to develop that. And I think social media uh, can be a really empowering tool for doing this and getting information out, not just about emergency management on the big scale, but the day-to-day stuff as well. And a really great place for, for you guys as emergency managers to engage with your uh, with the community around uh, and, and grow that that community. I keep saying community, but I, I, I think it's really well used. Create that program and, um, and go out there and, and meet the people people that who you're serving and have them know a little bit about what you guys are doing as well. And so that's what we're trying to do here with, with Ian Weekly as well is create that community of emergency managers who can talk across the country and across the world. Guys, what are, what are you guys doing up in Canada and, and what are they doing in Mexico and, and what's going on in Australia and New Zealand and and in uh, you know Europe and, and what's going on over there and the countries that are over in Europe uh, that are listening like the UK and uh, Norway and France and Spain. What are you guys doing? You know, and you know, New Zealand. What do you, you guys are awesome with with some of the stuff you guys are doing down there? Share this information with us here um, at Ian Weekly. I'd love to talk about it and, and really love to grow um, that uh, that community down there. Speaking about growing communities, at Ask Todd, Sam from New York asked me if I think using templates for plans is a good idea. And it's a double-edged sword, right? So I think templates are a really good way to have a starting point. I like calling them primers more than templates. Take a look at what people are doing and and learn that way you're not reinventing the wheel necessarily. And you have a flow, especially if you're trying to do a brand new uh, emergency operations plan from the ground up. So you can see that flow of, of what information needs to go where. And I think that's a, a really good way to start. The, the pitfall on using templates obviously is if you just do control H and replace, you know, this city with that city or this school with that school. Yeah, that's not going to really work for you because that plan is not meant necessarily for you, right? So, but if you understand like this is the part where you talk about um, your your organization and who is in your organization, what's the nomenclature of your organization, it should go here. And this is where you should address, you know, X issue that's going on. This should go here. I think that's a good way to use a template. Use it as a primer, not necessarily erase all the words in there. That's, that's not what I'm saying, but I would use Grammarly, right? You don't want to plagiarize necessarily what's going on there, but you definitely want to uh, take a look at it, make sure that you're you're making it your own and, and owning that plan and making it work for you. So yes, templates can work. Uh, just don't fall into the pitfall of the control H and you should be fine. If you guys disagree with me, let me know. And, uh, you know, down in the comments, let's talk about that as well. And meet us over at the Facebook group and we'll talk about templates over there as well if you want to, you know, really weigh in on this. So if you do have any questions or topic that you'd like to talk about or discuss or you'd like me to look into, 
just go to www.emweekly.com and click on the Ask Todd button and put your information down there and I'd be happy to address it either here on the Ian Weekly show or we can address it also in the group. Really excited about that. Okay, the clip, this clip that we, <laughs> the clip at the start of the uh, the show, that was my that was my daughter and she was talking about, um, you know, her view on earthquake preparedness and thunderstorms. So no, we're not, we're not advocating that you have to leave the entire country if there's an earthquake and a thunderstorm at the same time. But I uh, hope that you enjoyed that little safety lesson from my little one. So, well, let's get to the interview. Hey, this is uh, Army Lieutenant Colonel Norwood uh, from Joint Task Force Civil Support here in Virginia, America's Seaburn Response Force. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? Doing well. Uh, glad that uh, I have the opportunity to talk to you. I understand you're uh, an instructor of emergency management out there in California. You've done other various stuff in the emergency management community. Um, I stand here at Virginia on the front lines of Seaburn, particularly Seaburn emergency response for chemical, biological, RAD, and any kind of nuclear events that occur in the United States. Uh, my organization stands ready to respond within a, a rapid response timeline. That's great. I know that you guys have a few, for lack of a better term, teams throughout the United States, and they're associated with the National Guard. Am I correct on that? I would say we're strategically positioned across the continental U.S. to immediately integrate with the capability of our, our National Guard brothers and sisters. That's, uh, I've got to work a little bit with the guys at the 9th Civil Support Team out of Los Alamitos, and they're a, they're a really great group of uh, professional and dedicated soldiers. So I do appreciate everything that they do. Right, and we rely heavily on the CSTs. Should an event uh, be called where national-level assets are called to, to respond, we're heavily relied on our CSTs that are there locally to maintain until we can get on the ground. So we definitely rely on those, uh, those CSTs across the United States. So what capabilities do you all have? So as far as capability, looking at it holistically from a headquarters perspective, we have the ability to do what we call command and control and communications from a strategy and strategic point of view. But more importantly, what the American people are looking for is that search and extraction the medical triage piece, the logistics leg, and also the, the communications piece that supports or can fall into the infrastructure in that local area. So that's kind of the core capability. It's surrounded by command and control and communication, medical piece, logistics, and comms. And, and really, when it comes down to it, it's being able to save lives and mit- mitigate suffering and get that local area back to where there's a sense of normalcy. Right. And that's what everybody's kind of goal is right there, that whole sense of normalcy. You know, the course, obviously, that we teach is disaster recovery, so that's what we focus on. So, now I know that with the 9th CST, that we're able to call you guys out, or call them out at least, before a disaster. And so, we use uh, some assets from the 9th CST when we have large events, such like the Rose Bowl Parade, our uh, sports teams when they go to the national championships, like the reason or when the Ducks were in the Stanley Cup and the Angels were in the, uh, the playoffs. How does that, you know, tell me a little bit about what you see that role is for for that organization. Okay, that's very important. That's what we call our, our what we call national security events or those high interest events where we think there's going to be large numbers of, 
of population, centrally located in the area, we get visibility on that. Also with that, being able to get those teams on the ground early to do a area assessment uh, to ensure that we are looking at all avenues to keep that local area or that venue uh, safe. So those are for our known events. And that's something that we do regularly. And uh, the community is very aware of, of those events, such as the Super Bowl, college national championship, sporting events, and also some other events that are, that are known throughout the community. So based upon that, what kind of skill set does a member your organization have? Well, in our organization, you have a, a spectrum specialty skill sets. Our, our folks that are on the ground doing the, the work in the local communities, for example, our search and extraction, they go through a rigorous training program that teaches them, you know, first aid safety, how to use search and extraction equipment, the SCBA equipment, air tanks and whatnot that, say, the local fire departments use in any local area we may respond to. And it goes all the way up to strategic planners who are, who are planning for the next scenario or next event that's outside of the, the norm. So it ranges from actionable events on the ground all the way up to our, our management that's doing the, the planning for our plans. How does somebody join your organization from the military? From a military perspective, we are the Cree community, which is the Seaburn Response Enterprise. How most folks get in is you, you serve a certain amount of time in the military as a generalist, and usually you want someone who's been in the military a certain amount of years, and normally you get selected to be part of the Cree enterprise. Or if you're someone who's in a certain specialty, like for example, I'll, I'll use hazardous material. Some of our service members come in as hazardous material specialists or seaburn specialists, and that's actually part of their, their training and skill set is uh, responding to the civil authorities. And typically what that means is in our response framework, we always work for the lead federal agency, which would be FEMA, Department of Homeland Security, or Department of Health and Human Services, depending on what the event is. So basically, the men and women of your organization um, are seasoned veterans of, of, of the military. They're not necessarily the guys who just graduated from boot camp and then A school. Absolutely. Usually, uh, looking across the Cree uh, enterprise, pretty seasoned personnel that take on this mission. Now, are you guys just Army only, or is there any cross cross service uh, members? We are definitely cross service. We are we are a joint uh, organization, so we are comprised of not only Army, but Air Force, Marines, Navy, Coast Guard. It's a full spectrum operation. On a timeline for when, say, a, a non-planned event occurs, say we have, I, I'll just use this example, the, the one that a lot of people are always kind of concerned about. Say we have a dirty bomb go off uh, and you know, in, a, in an area. What's the timeline of, of getting you guys ramped up and deployed? The timeline for an organization like Joint Task Force Civil Support, we're able to, to move to the incident site within 24 hours. Okay. We're, we're moving to the incident site. And then at that point, you're able to set your, your gear up, your stuff, and start, start doing what you do, right? Absolutely. And the slogan we have here is we want to remain fast, light, interoperable, capable, and connected. And that's main with the, with the local area. And again, for us to be able to respond, we have to be requested by that state governor. 
So we actually have to ha- have that partnership capacity beforehand. And we do that now in our steady state operations where we have we build partnership capacity across the United States regionally and along with states. So if there is an event, that, that smooth transition to that location uh, will be allowed for and accounted for. And, and just to say, you know, on, on our end, when I was working at the local government, we have done some drills with the 9th CST here in California, and they are an amazing group of people who come out and are really knowledgeable and, and lean on them uh, extensively on some of the, you know, on their expertise for sure. One of the things that you guys don't do is you, when you guys roll up, you're not saying, hey, you know, we're here, we're, we're large, now we're in charge. It's still a local event, correct? Yes. The local government and the state along with FEMA are the ones in charge. And basically, it's our goal to fill any gaps or any requirements um, that they had that we can assist with. So they're in charge. We realize that. And we understand that we offer a lot of capability, but we take all direction from that local area in the state. So you have both enlisted and officers, obviously, in the organization. And a lot of the officers, and I don't, I want to, I don't want to say all because I don't know if it's all, are, are all uh, doctors of some sort. Tell me what capabilities your officers have. There's a lot of capability across our officer corps. We have some officers who have a a lot of science background in the pure sciences, uh, such as chemistry, biology. Most have a minimum of a, a master's degree, and so we do have some doctorate level officers in those hard sciences fields. So when we start talking, you know, like you mentioned, a dirty bomb and getting down to the science, the chemistry, and the biology of it, folks that can kind of immediately talk that language and understand the effects. And that's kind of what we're getting at, is what effects uh, does that device have on the environment and being able to talk through that. I know that when we were doing a, a drill, we did a dirty bomb drill, and a couple of your officers, they were PhDs in chemistry, I believe, and engineering, one of them was. And you could definitely tell for sure that they were the smartest man in the room. And I was really impressed with their ability to uh, give us guys that are not PhDs in chemistry and engineering to be able to talk to us in a level that we really understood. So you don't have to be afraid of being overwhelmed by their knowledge because at least the guys that I've dealt with uh, and gals too, when I'm, you know, I, I, I'm from back East guys. So I want to say guys, I mean, everybody, when they come in and, and, and talk, they're not talking down to you by any means. And they're really, really, really super uh, helpful and knowledgeable about a lot of stuff. So do appreciate it when you all come to, uh, to our event. How does somebody, and we talked a little bit about the enlisted side, how does somebody as an officer get involved in your organization? Is this something that they, when they get their PhD and they go, I want to join, and they automatically get put into your group, or is there a process, selection process for them as well? Uh, there's a selection process. Typically, the way it works is you do a certain amount of years in your general branch. So whatever you come in as, a, in as an early officer, which would be a lieutenant, you come into a basic branch. You do a certain amount of years there to learn the Army organization, the structure, the basics. And then after, say, a period of five years, uh, there's an opportunity where you go before the board and they, they look at profile and what you've done and your aptitude. And they make a selection on folks that they want to be introduced into this field. So you go through that selection process, and, and with that comes the opportunity to do the advanced schooling that you're talking about, the master's level, the PhD levels. So that comes with it once you're selected as a, pretty much as a junior leader or junior officer, you're selected you know, pretty early. And then for the rest of your career, you're part of the Seaburn Enterprise. So, I mean, and the reason why I wanted to clarify that question for everybody is that 
the the men and women of the of Seaborn Enterprise, the FC, the the CSC programs. These guys, these are all really educated, experienced people that you can really lean on right there, and it's an asset that you really have in your backyard for most people. And the beauty with the CSTs, these are usually folks that they know the local area, they know the environment, and most of the civilian jobs they have is a direct correlation to what they're doing on the CST if they're called upon to, to do that work. So they're, they're actually they're, they're doing their job and their mission almost every day. So they really have a good grasp of the environment and what it takes to get things done. That is exciting stuff right there. I mean, like I said, I've got, I've got to work with the, the guys down here. and They're an amazing group of people. A talented group of people and, and dedicated too, and, and for them to, to come out, it's, it's really important. So, what do you see the future of your organization? I mean, obviously things are are not getting easier in the world. How do you see you guys uh, being actors in this new new response uh, matrix that we have? The answer to that question and more when we return from our break. Emergencies happen. Whether they're related to medical emergencies, threats of physical violence, weather related, or other. One of the most difficult things during an emergency is to find help and quickly and efficiently communicate with all parties, regardless of whether you're an administrator, law enforcement, or the end user. With Titan HST, we help distort time by creating high-tech yet simple-to-use mobile-based applications that connect you with the people who can help you. At Titan HST, we believe in the power of people. The modern emergency manager wears lots of hats. So how do you also fit in the needs of your exercise program? It's just a matter of time. And how much is your time worth? A lot. TTX Vault is the answer to getting some of that time back. Pre-assembled tabletops, drills, and functional exercises are what they offer. Spanning NIMS, hospitals and healthcare, special operations and more. Exercises come from the archives of the Blue Cell. Get a jump start on your exercise program today and visit TTX Vault at www.ttxvault.com. So what do you see the future of your organization? I mean, obviously things are, are not getting easier in the world. How do you see you guys uh, being actors in this new, new response uh, matrix that we have? Well, the, the Seaburn Enterprise, we continue to expand and we want to expand not only for the continental United States, but the opportunity to expand on a global capacity. I kind of see that as being the way of the future, being able to expand this capability, not just for the United States, but allowing other nations to, to see our model and adopt maybe the same capability. Because again, the, the war on terrorism is a global fight and the more partners we can have globally, whether they use our model or develop their own, is the best way to go forward with where we're at right now in the globe. That's for sure. And, and do you guys right now work with foreign governments? Do you bring in uh, cross-train? Like, I know that when I was in the service, you know, I was a, we did a lot of cross-training with all the other branches of, uh, of foreign nations that we were involved with. Do you guys do the same thing? We do have partners uh, across the globe. I'm not going to mention names, but we do have uh, global partners. Sure. And we're in constant communication and keeping us all on the same, the same level, the same path as we move the enterprise forward. Yeah, that's important. I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I think that's important to be, like, in the civilian side, 
we talk about not changing business cards over the trunk of the car. You know, so that's the same concept that you guys have right there. So that's uh, that's really important. If somebody is a, an emergency manager or student, uh, how would they go about, say, after they graduate, uh, go about uh, becoming involved in something like what you do? Well, I, I would recommend you might want to start at the local level. You can always volunteer at your at the local fire department. I think that's kind of the, the, the best thing to kind of get with the guys and girls who are doing it day to day. Because, for example, when we start talking about the emergency response framework, it's going to be that fire chief or that police department in that local area that may be in charge of that incident for a certain period of time before, you know, national assets are, are able to come in and assist. So I would say uh, start off at the local level. I'm looking to your fire departments and police departments and organizations like that. And then maybe expanding out from there to look at, you know, looking at a date level, looking at your emergency response functions, and maybe getting in there as well. Here comes the, uh, the hardest question of the day. What book or publication would you recommend for somebody who wants to get involved in something like what you do? I always like to talk about emergency management. About It's all about framing the environment. And whenever you get into doing this kind of work, you have to have a good understanding of the environment you may be operating in. So I would recommend for someone who is interested in the field, go ahead and grab the book one second after. And it kind of gives you the worst case, the almost worst case scenario. If there was some type of nuclear event that calls a what we call an EMP, and what that is is an electronic uh, pulse. And what that would do is it would shut down all electronics and communications, transportation networks, social networks. It would really affect the internet, radio, TV. So looking at it from a worst case scenario perspective, again, this is a novel, it's kind of sci-fi, but it really gives you some insight into what could what could happen. It's a possibility. So I would say framing the worst case scenario and painting that picture uh, in your head. Because if you're prepared for the worst case scenario, any event under that, you can frame it in your mind. You can frame it in your mind better. So that would be my recommendation. And again, it's called One Second After by William Fortune. That's a really good book. We actually, I actually had the opportunity to uh, interview William Fortune. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Great, uh, great recommendation. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the uh, with the people here of the emergency management world? I would leave you with one thing, is that there are challenges in a response from the alert process to the turnover because this is a high-demand, high-stress field. But we always have to keep in mind that our response to any event has to be sequential. The local and state government and potentially FEMA are going to be the ones in charge. It's all about people getting the right people with the right capability at the right place at the right time and managing expectations. And that's what I would leave you with. Well, sir, thank you so much for being here with us this morning. I uh, I do appreciate your time and thank you for doing what you guys are doing out there. Keep it up and tell the men and women of your organization that we do really appreciate everything that they're doing. Well, great. And I want to thank you too uh, for giving me the opportunity to talk a little bit about Joint Task Force Civil Support, America's Response Force. And I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. You have a good day.
Hi, this is Todd DeVoe from EM Weekly. If your company is in the emergency management and response space, EM Weekly is a place for you to advertise. Each week, we bring in experts in emergency management, response, and leadership from around the world, and they're here to share their best practices. Our listeners are eager to learn about new products and ideas, so this is the space for you. For more information, please contact Brian at brian at emweekly.com.